Okay, I'm trying to figure out what I have to tell you in this episode to prepare you. Psychotherapy, Jet Dunlap, 37 is the episode. After I went up on stage, things changed for me. You heard that in the last episode. And me going up on stage is just the part of the narrative that is Jet Dunlap where his greatest fear was, right? So if it's someone else who their fear was litigating in front of a judge as a lawyer or someone who wanted to go swimming in the ocean because they were afraid of sharks, that is their epic fear. Mine was this, okay? It just means that it was the last thing on a big list of big fears. So the shift that occurred after that that I felt when we were driving home and knew what happened before it happened, that all just came from me conquering these fears. That's all. This is not something you haven't heard or seen in movies or in real life. What it unlocked in me was an availability to start serving something larger than myself to the extent that I was meant to serve it. And how do I describe that in words? It's not easy because it's more of a feeling than an actual tangible thing I could describe. But I'm going to attempt to describe it in this story of what happened to me. And I look at the evidence and then I try and give it a definition. Something happens, I look at the evidence and I say, this is what I saw and felt occurred and you translate it your own way. And sometimes I get too wrapped up in trying to make it not specific because I don't want to alienate anyone because I know the messages are universal and I don't want it to get muddied with a violation of your beliefs. In this episode, I'm going to talk about a guy who I met because I was looking for something on Craigslist. He had a problem with heroin that I found out about. I helped him with this addiction and may have been the change agent in his life that helped him go forward in a more healthy way. Now, here's the caveat to that. Maybe I didn't. Now, after I recorded this, I did find out that the guy ended up going to a meeting, and I found out he was doing better. However, I think I was put in his life to give him an option to change. I finished when I got accomplished what I believed I was supposed to do for this guy, and then I'm gone. Because you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And that is where I played into his narrative. But I'm available to be that instrument of change in people that I don't know, never met, just like this show, if that is the calling of whatever force I feel is guiding me. That's what this episode's about. And I don't like saying those kind of things to you guys because my fragile little human ego that I've worked on for a long time to be able to get over still worries about judgment, right? But I'm not going to let that get in the way of what I know you need to hear. Whoever you are. And if you think this is hokey, ridiculous, or nonsense, skip to the next episode. I'm sure it'll be full of laughs. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm a lot of things. All I can do is present to you the truth of what happened. The rest of it is on you. So I hope you enjoy and maybe even pick up a lesson or two. I'm Jet Dunlap, and this is Psychotherapy. After the stand-up comedy day, I think it was about the next day or the day after, so this would be last week, I said to myself, okay, you need to get another nice laptop. We have a MacBook Pro, don't want to go into technology because, you know, I get tempted. I want to go into uh, the hard drive and the processor and all that stuff, uh, a little nerdy, but we have a Mac laptop. We also have a Big Mac, a <laughs> Big Mac, <laughs> not a hamburger 
27 inch iMac and I wanted to get a MacBook Air. So I started looking around Craigslist, uh, Facebook Marketplace. I find some, I reach out to some people, there's some shadiness, whatever. I finally find this guy. He's asking 850 for one I want. So I say, listen, in a message, there's a lesson in here too, if you can pick up on it. I say, listen, all I have is $700 to spend on this. Worst thing he could say is no. Maybe I lowballed him, who knows, but he could say no. If he doesn't say no, I save 150 bucks. Text him this and he goes, oh, this is what it is. This is what year it is. And he doesn't say anything about in response to my $150 lower offer. Tells me what it is and I don't respond. He sees that I see it because in Messenger, you can see if someone saw the message. Next day, he says, okay, okay. I see you don't want to go for my price. How about $615? I say to my wife, and I think there's a reason for me telling you this part. I say, Gina, I'm going to offer him $600. Gina says, Jet, don't do that. I said, well, now I have him. I have him on his heels. It was $850. Now I'm going to get it for $600. She's like, what does he want? I'm like, now he wants $615. She's like, isn't that like a ton lower than what he originally asked for? I'm like, yeah, it's a lot less than $850. But my sales brain, my my reptilian brain comes in and I go, I can, I can now go in for the kill. I have this ability. 99.9% of the time, I do not use it anymore because this is something I went away from since I left the corporate sales world. But there's a desire on my part to flex this muscle I have. I don't. I say, okay, fine. 615 is fine. I go with Gina, which is great. If you have someone in your life who can take care of you morally when you know you're going to be up against it, that's, that's great. And I used her for that as a resource. So the guy and I are going to meet. And when I go to this location off Canaan near the beach near Malibu and uh, on your way up there, and I'm waiting for him. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm in the parking lot. Where are you? I'm starting to get a little hinky. I'm starting to get that little twinge on the back of my neck that something's a little up. He says, oh, well, I can't be where I told you we were going to meet because something came up. Can you meet me at this other place? And I'm like, sure, dude. Now I know I'm going to offer him $600 because he's wronged me, right? But uh, he says, can you meet me at this other place? And I go, fine, but you better be there. And there better not be any other circumstances that arise and he's like no 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 no, don't worry i'll be there some people would be scared of this but listen if you're saving like a thousand dollars man up or woman up and and get over this stuff because it's worth it so where he wants me to meet is past this place that i used to work at 10 years ago to the day a job that i worked for a tiny bit of time right after at&t somewhere around six to nine months doing cold calls, 150 cold calls a day. It was terrible. It was in a boiler room. I hated this job. This job solidified my decision to never be in a corporate job again, never have a W-2, never have a day job. And I haven't for 10 years to the day. So I'm driving by this old office that I used to look out the window and in my cubicle, they didn't have a window. But when we were in the training room and I'd see people running by or riding their bike and I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do. You're smart enough, Jet, to be able to figure out how to work and be able to have the time off to go running and ride your bike and just enjoy this planet as opposed to just being stuck in a cubicle. When I worked at this company, it was the only time in my life where in August, where we all go to Mammoth, the family, I didn't go because I was doing this job and I became ambitious and I was too accustomed to making all this money for the company and myself. But I had left that 10 years ago to the day, hadn't been down that street since. But somehow this second location had me go buy it. And I saw that it was 10 years to the day because I looked up on my Facebook. There's this thing that shows you like where you were on this day in the past. 
coincidentally, while I was talking to this guy later in this story, I saw it 10 years to the day I was down this place again. I couldn't believe it. Beyond coincidence, right? Because of the second location. So I meet him. He tells me he's at this Starbucks. I look everywhere for Starbucks, can't find in this complex in Agora Hills. Finally, I figure it out and I realize it's inside the Target. I say, okay, I'm ready to meet you. He says, oh no, I forgot the charger for this thing. Now I have to go buy a charger for this laptop at Target. I'm like, fine, whatever, dude, I'll meet you in. I go to Target, I go to the Starbucks, and I'm waiting for him, and I'm going, this is weird, something's going on. So this dude comes up to me. He goes, hey, it's you? I'm like, yeah, this is me, I'm you. Not you, as in, I am the you he is referring to. (laughs) And uh, he's got tattoos all over his neck, tattoos all over his knuckles, tattoos all up his arm, and he's dressed like a guy who is struggling with addiction. Immediately, I know this. Once he sits down later, I start doing my me, 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 robot analysis, and I figure out more of what's going on with him. But at this time, I know something's going on. He's like, listen, I forgot my wallet, so I have to go up again, and they have my stuff there. I'm going to pay for the charger, and then I'm going to come back. Here's the laptop and everything. I'm looking at the laptop. It's not nearly as nice as it was described on the site, Facebook. But I'm staying there for some reason. Something is compelling me to be there. Remember, I just had this giant thing shift in my life where I conquered my last fear. And sometimes I let myself be an instrument of the universe, an instrument of the higher source, whatever it is. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is going to be weird. But I have a lot of weird stories and they're interesting. So I sit down and I wait for him to come up. Then he comes over with the cord and he's like, this is a $90 charger. And I'm thinking, this guy needs the money. I didn't mention this. And the ad, he's like, I need to sell it. I have another baby on the way. I'm selling everything I have. So I looked into this on his Facebook and I saw the day before he just sold his car. So that might have been one of the reasons he had to meet me at Target. So we sit down. He's trying to find his passcode to open up his laptop. And he's trying to figure it out. And he said it's texting to his phone. Then he said it's texting to his iPad. Then he's trying to figure it out again. First off, the Mac is not even charged. It's at zero. So he needed this charger even to be able to unlock it, which it's not. And I'm like, well, what's going on here, man? You haven't used it for a while? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. Tells me a bunch of stuff. Trying to unlock it, trying to unlock it. The code is sent to a phone, sent to a phone, whatever. While he's trying to do all this, and time is starting to pass, and I'm like, if it wasn't for the fact that I feel I'm here for a reason, I'd be gone. Because I also had to go to Gina's class um, over at the uh, LA Fitness. I was going to take her yoga class, which I take every Sunday. So I knew I was going to be back on time if this didn't take more than an hour and a half. But we're pushing time now. And maybe you need to know a little bit about me to understand where I'm at emotionally at this moment. I will not be manipulated. I will not be lied to. I have a very strong sense of self. And I feel like this guy's dicking around with me and I am getting very internally angry. And I'm thinking about just crushing him in any way I can, emotionally, physically. I am frustrated. To everyone else, this is a very frightening guy. Probably about my height and tattoos, he's got cuts on his knuckles. So he's been punching something or punching someone. But I don't care. I'm getting mad and you don't do this to Jet Dunlap. That's where I'm at. Then I start looking at his tattoos and I see on his right hand, it says, stay free on his knuckles. And then on his left arm, it has a picture of an hourglass, a tattoo of an hourglass with money going through it. And so I just start talking to him. I'm like, okay, maybe you're here for this reason. And I start feeling, just gleaming things from this dude. And I say, uh, so the one on your right hand is about sobriety. So I know you're sober or have been sober. The one on your left hand is time versus money. So I know you're trying to kind of figure out in illustration how much money you need to make versus how much time you want to spend on your life. And he goes, he looks at me kind of slow and he's like, huh? And I'm like, I'm reading your tattoos. I'm looking at your tattoos. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly it. 
So then we start talking. He talks to me about his dad wasn't in the picture. He grew up in this area. His dad only cared about money. He talked about how his mom, mom's been sober for a while. And then I say, yeah, you know, I've been sober for a while, long time too. And most of the people I meet when I do these kind of deals are sober people. I bought my car from a sober guy. When I'm sober, I start to run in kind of weirdly coincidentally into these sober people. And I say, I've been sober for almost two years. It's such a weird coincidence that I'm meeting you. And actually, I wanted this laptop to do a show that I do about sobriety and getting better in life, personal development, and potentially writing a book on this subject. And he's like, oh, wow. And I said, uh, are you sober right now? I knew he wasn't sober. He was carrying this kind of dark cloud, this kind of death bag feeling I had over his shoulder. But I was curious what he'd say, because I have a lot of friends who've been addicted to meth. One of my closest friends has an issue with meth that he goes in and out of. If you know anyone who's been addicted to heroin or meth or anything like that, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. I mean, you're not hearing anything you haven't heard before, but you can tell when they're using. And one of the worst things is, one of the things guys like this lie about the most is using. So then things are starting to make sense to me. Why the laptop's dirty, why you can't remember this code. So he says, I've been sober two and a half years. That's what he says to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm almost two years. He hadn't been sober two and a half years. Plus he had one up me. So it's like whenever they do that, it's like, okay, that's kind of a user's mindset. And I tell him about my sobriety and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. We bond a little bit. He tells me how he has a couple of kids and he has another one on the way and he's been getting in trouble in the past. And I'm thinking like, you're two and a half years sober. Why are you getting in trouble? Why don't you remember your password? So it wasn't adding up. I then realized I'm not going to make it to Gina's appointment with the gym and I was going to drive her and I called Gina. I'm like, sorry, honey, you know, uh, I'm not going to make it. You're going to have to drive the FJ. She's never driven the FJ before. It's a giant, crazy off-road vehicle and it's going to be inconvenient for her because she had her gym bag in my car and I feel horrible. So now I'm really frustrated with this guy. So what did I do after all my discipline mentally? I said, I have to walk away. I'm at Target. This actually works out for me because I've been looking for some black V-necks. You are thinking right now at home, please tell me he elaborates on the black V-neck part of the story. Don't worry, I will. I've been deciding I'm going to go back into a uniform because I want to stop thinking about what I'm wearing in the morning. Years and years ago, I used to wear a suit every single day. You heard me right. I wore a suit every single day for years. I mean, old school 1950s, like it didn't matter what day it was, whether it was a hot day, whether it was a cold day. We went to Disneyland, I wore a suit. We went out to, you know, whatever. I wore a suit every single day. It was just a thing. I knew I was going to every day, and that's what I did. I'm doing the same thing with black V-necks right now, and I want to find some quality ones. So I find some great V-necks at Target while I'm talking to this guy, and I'm like, hey, bro, are you almost done with that password? The reason it was taking so long is that the password was being sent to his mother's phone, and I found out from him a minute ago before I looked for my V-necks that he's not talking to his mom, and I'm like, well, you're going to have to talk to your mom, and he's like, uh, I haven't done that in years. I'm like, do you want to sell me this laptop or not, bro? Do you need the money or not? Because you dropped it to 600 because you need the money now because you said you have another kid on the way. Plus, when he sat down, he's like, my girlfriend, who's having his other kid, like got 19 stitches on her head because she fell off of something helping out my other kid, which was not from the mother that uh, he's with now. So the girlfriend that he's living with is not the woman whose kid this is. It's his kid. Whole mess. I knew, I knew he wasn't sober, dude. He wasn't sober if all these things are going on, right? And I'm not trying to judge him. It sounds like I'm judging, but I knew this was not the truth. Here's why it's not judgment. Although I may have acted differently when I was using alcohol to the level I was, it takes one to know one. I knew what was going on because I, I understand this idea. So while I'm buying these V-necks, I ask him, hey, are you done? Did you talk to your mom? He's like, I tried, I tried, I tried, even though he didn't talk to her forever. I had inadvertently got him to talk to his mom again. Walking around Target, I'm like, okay, I'm coming back. I get no response from him. I come back and I go to the Starbucks. He is gone. Now I have missed Gina's class. 
I came out to two different locations in Agora Hills. I have been out here for two hours. This guy has lied to me for two hours. This guy has stalled for two hours. And most people would not hang out with a guy who was using probably heroin and sit around with his insanity. So I'm frustrated. I'm like, hey, dude, I missed my appointment that I told you I'd miss if you kept stalling like this. I don't appreciate you just taking off. Have you figured out the password? And he's like, you know what, man? Something's telling me to keep the laptop. And I was mad. I was really, really mad. I started driving home and I'm like, again, I have enough personal development in me not to lash out on this guy. It's probably not the right time. But he had made me furious. So I'm driving home and I'm like, hey, universe, give me a sign not to go off on this guy. And this is too weird to explain. I'll explain it anyway. The night before we were watching the show Catch-22, um, Gina and I were, it's a miniseries, and I was talking to Gina about old World War II planes, B-25s, B-29s, and the biggest of which was the B-29. I was showing her the one that they they're basically, they made Airstream trailers out of. I'm telling her this whole story. And as I'm saying, driving home on the 118, which I took a different way home than I took away there. So I'm taking a different way, just guided by the fact that I thought it was the right way. Right as I'm driving home after the last three nights, Gina and I are watching this program on World War II planes, a giant B-29 flies over me slowly. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> right when I'm near the house, this giant chrome plane flies over me. It's called the Dock. I looked it up later. It's this B-29 that was restored. So that was enough of a sign for me to go, okay, there's something here with this guy. Make what you will of that. Maybe it's a giant coincidence. I don't know. I'm not saying that I know. I'm saying that I asked for something, I got something, and I'm not stupid enough to deny it at this point in my life. Maybe I'm superstitious. Okay, I'm going to listen to this and I'm going to take this seriously because it seems like it's beyond coincidence. So when I feel this, I go, I'm about to go to the gym and I write this guy a novel. Okay. I say, listen, dude, I don't know why I ran into you, but I've had a lot of weird coincidences going on right now. And I don't feel like it was an accident. Basically, I say to him, I feel like you're coming up to a big emotional decision in your life right now. And I'm not sure everything you told me is true, but I want you to know that the laptop doesn't mean anything to me. If you think you need to keep it for some kind of big reason, then go ahead. It's just stuff. I can get stuff anywhere. However, what you're going through and you need help with this decision on, maybe I can help. Sometimes I'm used as an instrument of fate or chance or the universe, whatever you want to call it. And I just want you to know I'm someone you can talk to if you need that. Now, remember, this guy told me he was sober, so he doesn't need this. But I felt this, and I said in this long, 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 long thing, I have now suspected that he's either going to kill himself, that's the feeling I had, or that he was using to such an extent something terrible was going to happen to him. I felt compelled to write this. I write it in the parking lot of the gym. I send it off. I hear nothing from him, but I feel good. It felt like the right thing. Go to the gym, work out, blah, blah. Next day, get a message from him. He's like, dude, you're right on. I'm not sober at all. As a matter of fact, last week I was nodding off usually heroin when this happens, like he was passing out. And if these guys pass out, they throw up, they choke on their vomit, and they die. And he said, the, my girlfriend, the one who's about to have the baby, was so worried about me, thinking that I'm using this extent again, that I'm going to die, and she's going to be just raising this kid on her own. And he also has other children. This guy's in his 20s. I haven't told a soul about this, but I'm using right now. I told my girlfriend that... I'm sober and I'm going to meetings, but I'm not. And you're the only soul I've told this. And then he says some other stuff, some stuff that's very indicative of a person who's addicted, a bunch of BS about how he'll stop, blah, blah, blah. So I respond to him. I go, listen. Oh, and he says he'd die for his family. You know, I love them. I'd die for him. 
So I start my sentence to him afterwards, after he's texting me the next day, and I'm like, that dying thing is a cop-out. That's BS. Would you live for your family? Because for people who are junkies or alcoholics or whatever they are, fringe guys like us, dying's the easy thing. You know, saying I would die. These are the guys who die in combat. These are the guys who walk into fires. Not all of them, but a lot of them. When you hear about these heroes, it's not that they're not heroic, but it takes a certain person to walk into a triage situation like that. And usually those people, usually, not always, sometimes they're just great people, are people like me and him, who a part of you has had so much of a hard time with this world that you're willing to let that expire, okay? So it's not a, a need for suicide, but it's you're overwhelmed by this planet, and so that idea of going into harm's way seems more noble to you, right? The guy jumps on their grenade, literally. So I told him, how about you live for your family? I sent him this long novel, and I said, I can't tell you what to do, plus you'll lie about it, plus you're not going to listen to me, but I'm calling him on his shit about saying that he died for his family. Finally, I say, the only thing I want you to do is go to a meeting tomorrow. Promise me nothing else. So eventually he says, okay, I'll go to a meeting. I'm not going to promise I'm not going to use, but I'm going to go to a meeting. And that's what he did. How does this relate to this comedy thing? I did the last thing I was afraid of, and something opened. I accept your skepticism. Because as I see it, I feel skeptical. And a lot of things in my life, I say, that's not possible, but it happened. So whether it's possible or not, I'm living it. I may have, and I had longer conversations with the guy later, inadvertently helped this guy live. And he was obviously thinking about killing himself. And he was using heroin to such an extent the week before that he almost died. And he has this kid on the way. And I told him how much he has to live for his family. I told him some stories of some family members of mine that I lost to meth, one of them, and the other one to alcoholism. And now one of them, the one we lost to alcohol, was a very successful guy, a surgeon, an ER surgeon, doctor. And his three kids went through hell with their own addiction after he died. And I said, do you want to give that to your children? So I got him to a meeting. This guy I met on Craigslist to buy a laptop from. I was guided. The GPS of the universe put me in this guy's life, sent me a giant sign, and I said this insanity to him, which ended up getting him to a meeting, which potentially did something remarkable. And that's because of the fear conquering. Doesn't that wrap it up in a nice little bow? I mean, I kind of just put that button on there because uh, that felt like the right moment and I was a little deflated because these stories have taken me a long time. But I don't know what it is you need to do in life or what you want to do in life. I never will, unless you tell me, in which case we'd have to really dive to the bottom of that and figure out if it's the truth. I wanted money growing up. I wanted fame. And now doing a little stand-up routine got me neither of those things. I paid to do my stand-up routine at an open mic, but I'm helping some stranger I never met in my life that was guided towards me, put me in front of this guy at the exact right moment where I could help him that may have saved him and may have put his kids' lives in a way better place so the cycle won't repeat itself. That's possible. It's not richness, it's not fame, but I get to be of service to the humans. And that happened because I'm walking my path and I'm not questioning it. And that's what stand-up comedy meant to me. I'm going to continue to do it. I've been writing it. I'm going to be put in the path of other people who need to laugh, other people who need that release. And then when I bring my insight to them because of a life of difficulty, maybe I can save some people. And that feels a hell of a lot better than just stacking up money. And I believe that both happen, but I can't stay focused on the money one 
or I won't be able to help as much. I think that doing what it is I believe I was put on this earth for, and I shouldn't even say believe because the universe wouldn't have put me in this guy's path if it wasn't for what I'm supposed to be doing. But if you do this stuff, I know the money will come and I can't worry about that. As a matter of fact, I just lost out on a big contract because of the stuff I've been focusing on. But that's okay. Because I know this is right. Talking to you guys right now, even though it feels intuitively wrong, this sounds like a crazy person. Why would you listen to me? But it feels intuitively wrong, but I know it's right. So I'm going to close now. You heard my stories. I want to leave you with one thing. And this is actually one to ask you to do something. I've done it before, once before. I'm sitting in my basement right now knowing I have a hundred other things to do today, but I wanted you to hear this. Now I have to edit it for hours. Share this. Share the episodes you know resonate with the people who need to hear it. That is why I'm doing it. I'm asking you, my loyal listeners, whether it's a funny episode, whether it's the one of the three episode piece that Gina and I did that is about exploring my psyche through the questions that are actually asked from a therapist. Help people by sending this to them because I am not saying this. I didn't have those signs. I didn't have a guy walk into my life who was almost going to die of heroin that I got to help. I didn't have that for it to be private. So you could be an instrument of that help. And I want you to do that. And later, very soon, I'm going to be accepting clients as a life coach. All that means is I'm a therapist who doesn't have a license, so I have to call it something else. That title actually came from my therapist of 15 years who would have loved to have given me his client base, but getting a PhD would have been difficult for me. So I'm going to be taking individual clients soon. So if it's just someone who's looking for achievement in their life, looking for them to get over a patch in their life that's really difficult, or even addiction, that's something you can come to me for. And now you can find it at jetdunlap.com. We just created that website. If you feel for a second this is some kind of pitch to try and get my hands on those wonderful dollar bills you got in your pocket, then you're nuts. This would be a very long con to do 36 episodes to try and do that. But I'm in this helping mode. And this is what I'm up to. I needed to tell you the story. I feel like that right now. And I'm drained because this is a long one. And I can't help but thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode. It's not as funny as the other ones, but it's important. And you know I oscillate. Psychotherapy is about saying what I feel when I feel it. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's kind of profound. And I think this one is more of the latter. And I think it's helping people. I don't think that if I wasn't doing this episode and if you weren't listening to it, this guy wouldn't have come into my life. And I might not have been able to be an instrument of the universe to help him. So you did that. You're a part of that because you're letting me explore my higher self through this. But if you weren't listening, I'd stop. So you are supporting me as much as I am helping you. And let's go help some other people. With that, I want to thank you for listening to Psychotherapy. I'm Jet Dunlap, and my new sound off in appreciation of my grandfather and the tattoo on my right arm where I carry my mic is this. Don't forget, till next time, to live your life louder and funnier. Talk to you soon. Thanks a lot.